Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. So we want to uh, uh, begin reading uh, Exodus chapter 24. But what are we, what are we going to learn today? What are we going to talk about? And so I wanted to share with you, as I mentioned, um, I had in a, just some awesome things to bring forward. And I'm going to be relying on memory and, and I'm trusting the Almighty to help me remember some of the things that were on my slides. Because as I said, my computer crashed earlier today. And so the 32 slides I had set up for today's message, uh, I don't have and I cannot get. So uh, as we read through Exodus 24, there's some things that I remembered that we want to talk about. The main theme about today is what is a peace offering? What is special about this peace offering? And how is this peace offering connected to our Messiah and what he did when he died on the tree. So we're going to have that in the background as our focus. And uh, all of my normal tools that I have for biblical study, I don't have access to. So I do have uh, someone let me use their computer. I've pulled up uh, Bible Hub and Blue Letter Bible to help me bring up some of these definitions that I had studied. So if we can get someone to volunteer to read uh, Exodus 24, the first four verses, that would be great. And are you going to, Ralphie, can you put Exodus 24 up so that everyone can see? Okay. Exodus 24, beginning at verse 1. And Moshe, and to Moshe he said, Come up to Yahuwah, you and Aharon, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and you shall bow yourselves from a distance. But Moshe draw near to Yahuwah by himself, and let them not draw near, nor let the people go up with him. And Moshe came and related to the people all the words of Yahuwah and all the right rulings. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which Yahuwah has spoken, we shall do. And Moshe wrote down all the words of Yahuwah and rose up early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. And what does that say? And 12 standing columns for the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, I just need to make an adjustment. Hold on. Okay, I had to make an adjustment on the screen here. Okay, so we're going to talk about uh, why this is important that the altar is being built and what's going to happen on the altar. Um, we're going to talk about here what's interesting is in verse 3, all the words which Yahuwah has spoken, we will do. So they're making a declaration before and we're going to see it later on in the uh, chapter 
They're going to declare this again before and after. They're saying all that he has spoken, we will do. So I uh, want to give time because we always let people have comments. So since this is a, a, a more of a draw setting today, if anyone has any comments on the first four verses, please raise your hand and let us hear from you. And whoever has a mic can tell me none or yes or no yes, comment. No? no comments. No comments. Okay. So verse five. And he sent young men of Israel, and they offered burnt offerings and slaughtered peace offerings of bulls to Yahuwah. And one of you, and I'm, I'm sure Paul has it, maybe some others, uh, if you look at the word for peace offering, this word for peace offering is um, shalamim. This is a shalamim offering. And it's, it's, it's derived from the root of shalom, but it's this shalamim offering we want to focus in on today. So I'm going to tell you what the shalam which is the singular, shalamim is plural. The shalam offering is a sacrifice for alliance. And I'm reading to you from the Strongs. Of friendship, a peace offering. It's uh, originally sacrificed for alliance. Uh, it's a mark of peace with God. It is a offering that brings fellowship between God Almighty and the worshipers. I'm going to say it again. It's an offering that brings fellowship, and I would even say restores fellowship between God and the worshipers. It's an offering that brings welfare, and it is a thank offering, something rendered for benefit, and sometimes in paying a vow. I want you to remember that because paying a vow is very, very important. So these are some of the words that give definition of what this shalamim offering is and how interesting it is that it's being offered here. So just keep in mind that an altar is being built and this is a fellowship offering. Okay. I'm Mark, going to read. Oh, yes, Mark, go we ahead. Have one, have we have comment? one comment. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to say yes to everything that you said. Amen. But... Uh, making a note that it's a voluntary offering. Yes. It, that's one of the differences. I hope I'm not running ahead of where you were going there. No, no, that's good. I have no notes, so you're only adding to what I have. So thank you for that. So I'm going to read verse 6. And Moshe took half the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. He took the book of the covenant, and he read it in the hearing of the people, and here they go again. After the hearing, after the reading, they say again, all that Yahweh has spoken, we shall do and obey. So they said this before the reading of the covenant and after the reading of the covenant. And verse 8 says, And Moshe, Moses, he took the blood and he sprinkled it on the people and said, See the blood of the covenant which Yahweh has made with you, concerning all these words. 
So I don't have available to me. I can't do it fast enough here. But there's a verse in the New Testament where the people, they're, they're being, so let me lay some groundwork first. So this blood is being sprinkled on the people. And this is a very important part of what's happening here at Mount Sinai. This is how a covenant is ratified. This is how a covenant is renewed. This is how a covenant is established and confirmed is by the, the blood being applied on the people. So I want you to remember that uh, there's, so if, if two or three people would read, I remember I looked up a verse that said, whenever uh, they, the covenant was ratified, it was ratified with blood and water. And then the scripture that says, when the spear went into Yeshua's side, what came out was blood and water. And then if someone else can look up the passage that says that the whenever they're 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 uh, saying crucify him about Yeshua, he's standing there in front of Pilate and all of those that are there, and he says uh, they say, may his blood be upon us. Can someone find those and read those for me? in uh, John 19.31 and it may be other places and then the Yehudim since it was the day of the Sabbath preparation and so bodies wouldn't stay on the, uh, the crosses over the Sabbath it was a high holy day that year petitioned Pilate that legs be broken to speed death and the bodies taken down so the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man crucified with Yeshua and then the other. When they got to Yeshua, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers stabbed him in the side with his spear. Blood and water gushed out. Amen. So you heard me say once before on one of the other messages we brought forth that, in my opinion, I think that the soldier that was there was a descendant of the Northern Kingdom. And so the blood and the water was now brought upon him, ratifying the covenant, uh, confirming what the master had done and taking away the debt, uh, taking away the death that was due them and restored them back to fellowship. So we can see a connection with what Yeshua did on the cross is here we have blood coming on the northern kingdom. But what about the southern kingdom? Does anybody have the portion where they say, may his blood be upon us? Anyone? Yeah, I believe that's Matthew, let's see, 27, 25. And the crowd, indeed, let his blood be upon us and upon us and our children. Matthew wow. 27 and 25. So we just read, we're in verse 6, that Moses took half of the blood and he sprinkles it on the altar, and then he sprinkles it in verse 8, 
on the people. And he says, behold, the blood of the covenant, which Yahweh has made with you concerning all these words. So it's, it's the blood is put on the book. We just might as well say on the word. We know that Yeshua is the word of God. And so we have here in the other passage, he's on the tree and they stick the spear in him. The blood comes out and on the word and it's coming on the person. And then the people say, may his blood be upon us. I used to think differently about that. Now I'm wondering, was it important that they said, may the blood be upon us so that the ratification and the confirming of the covenant were literally on all of the descendants of Israel? Comments, questions, please join in. Alex has a comment. Now, I do see how that could work, how they were accepting the covenant by default, but there was no other time in history where, I mean, they can do things, you know, unwillingly and get the benefits from. Everyone, you know, who knew Yeshua personally had to accept him as knowing he's the Messiah, and this they did not do. And we know that the, the, the both the covenants are related, so they, they wouldn't have received the grace if they did not knowingly receive the Messiah. So I'm going to read to you Hebrews 9.19. It says, For when every commandment of the Torah has been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop. So here now we've got evidence of scarlet and hyssop being there, which was also there as the master was being crucified. Sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. 1 John 5.6 says, This is he who came by water and blood. Messiah Yahushua, not by water only, but, but, but by water and blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. We have a few comments here. Go ahead. Might be interesting to note that before they said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children, in verse 24 in chapter 27, Pilate saw that it was useless in terms of trying to uh, release Yeshua, and he said, uh, so he took a picture of water, stood before the crowd, and washed his hands. I never connected that water right there with the blood in the same context. Yes, yes, yes. Good stuff. So I, I want to make a connection today of this peace offering, this Shalomim offering, and what it means. Now, I want to back up just a minute. And I want to show you what we read what the word shalamim is in Hebrew, the, the uh, shalem offering, what the word shalem means. But I'm going to read to you the Greek word for this word peace offering. The Greek word is soterion, and it means, I'm going to read it to you, the definition from Strong's, it is to save, to bring salvation. It uh, can mean uh, the messianic salvation. It can also mean safety and security. It's he who embodies the salvation or through whom Elohim is about to achieve it. What agent is it going to be achieved through? And also the hope of future salvation. So now we have not only this peace offering with connected with um, 
the Messiah in one aspect from the Hebrew word, but we also have it connected through the Greek word of him being our salvation. And so there's a couple of uh, verses. If somebody could read this for me. It is, I believe, John chapter 2. Let me see if I can find it. Here. Mark, we have one more comment here. Yeah, please. Mark, building what you have already spoken on, so you have the Sinai covenant at Exodus 24, 8, which you spoke of. says, And Moses yes. took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you, according to all these words. And then you built upon that by saying he mixed the blood with water, and that came from Hebrews 9, 19, and sprinkled it on the people, so at least everyone had some on them. So where yes. did the blood of the covenant go? It was sprinkled on the outside of the people. And where did the blood come from? It came from the burnt elevation offering, peace offerings from Exodus 24 or 5. But then you look at the new or renewed covenant, however some people like to word it, coming from Matthew 26, 27. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So Yeshua didn't splash it on them. He had them drink it. And there's a day coming when Yeshua will drink again with this cup of the new covenant with his people. And so the blood of the Sinai covenant went on them, but the blood of the new or renewed covenant went in them. And when you look at both of those, you have like a menorah pattern. So if you look at Exodus 24, 8 and compare it to Matthew 26, 27, or excuse me, chapter 26, verses 27 and 28, again, you have a, a physical and a spiritual, you have a menorah pattern, where on Exodus 24, 8, you have a proclamation of the word, a blood and agreement, followed with a covenant meal. So you have Moses took the blood and threw it upon the people, and he said... So behold the blood of the covenant, and then the Adonai sealed with you concerning all these matters. But then when you look at Yeshua, you have it the other way, where he did, Yeshua gave it to him saying, drink from it, all of you. From this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness. So you have, again, the proclamation of the word, blood and agreement, covenant meal. And the Gentiles aren't mentioned um, in this. But you have to look at Ephesians 2. So you have to tie Ephesians 2 into this, which pulls into the Gentiles. So in order to understand... Oh, a, Go ahead. There's an interesting thing. And so you've, uh, you, you're touching on some stuff that uh, we're, uh, I made a connection, so I'm glad you're seeing it too. But I want to read to you Luke chapter 2, verse 30. The word for salvation in Luke, and please, those of you who have your Bibles and your electronic devices, look up Luke 2.30. When you see the word salvation... It's this Greek word used in Exodus 24, 5 for peace offering, shalamin. And it says, for my eyes have seen your salvation, your peace offering. My eyes have seen your peace offering that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Well, guess what? The peace offering was prepared at Mount Sinai for all the people as well. And I believe the writer here in, in Luke, understood that what this was going on what the, the our messiah had done was he became our peace offering he had become the shelamim offering the soterion the salvation the saving which is what this whole bringing us back into fellowship bringing us back into covenant bring us into peace with god through what's happening here 
but you have to have a a legal part done here, which Je Jesus Yeshua does when he's as you said he raised the cup, raised the bread, and I want to make one more connection here that that uh, Bob made, and it's going to drop us down here to Exodus twenty four, and. Verse uh, 9, and Moshe went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel. They saw the Elohim of Israel, and under his feet was paved work, sapphire stone, and, the, and, and like the heavens for brightness. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the chiefs of the children of Israel. And they saw Elohim, and they ate, and they drank. They're having a fellowship meal with God up on the top of the mountain. And I had a picture for you. I wish I could show you. I showed it to you guys a couple of weeks ago. We're up on the top of that Mount Sinai, which is all black and charred. There were two places that were completely untouched. One for Moses, one for the elders. They're up there having a fellowship meal. What's Yeshua doing with the disciples that Bob just read? He lifted the bread. He lifted the, 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 the wine. And he said, I am eating this Passover with you. I'm having a fellowship meal with you because I'm becoming your peace offering that brings salvation to you, that gets rid of the debt and the curse and the death. I'm going to restore you back to fellowship with God Almighty with my own blood. And so that's the connection I saw is it's not just the peace offering. It's the meal that they're eating. This meal that they're eating at the top of the mountain with Moses, the 70 elders, the 70 elders are like the apostles. There's the, 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 the offering and the meal coming together because I'd read to you that the, the definition for, for uh, Shalom offering is, is it's a communal meal. It's a sacred meal uh, eaten together. Well, how sacred, more sacred can you get than what Yeshua is going to do when he's going to die on the cross and what the uh, uh, Moses is doing with the elders up on top of Mount Sinai. It's a ratifying of a covenant. It's confirming something. It's establishing something because the people are being restored and brought back into fellowship. Go ahead. And if you have comments and I'm anxious to hear what you guys have to say. Yes. Building on the, the food that you're speaking of a couple, two, three, four weeks ago, I mentioned that, um, when we talked about the food and the progression of it, we had unleavened bread is commanded or attached to the commandment to observe the feast of unleavened bread. Uh, the bitter water is attached to the commandment to listen to my voice, obey my commandments, statutes and decrees. Uh, the manna rains down heaven from heaven six days a week, and that commandment is tied to the commandment the Sabbath. Then we have so as the food becomes more spiritual, the commandments become more specific. And here it says in 24.9, actually in 24.11, but on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God and they ate and drank. Who brought the food for Oneg here? It's spiritual in my belief. So Adonai provided the food. So it's completely spiritual. As we be, um, proceed, as we move forward in our walk with God, our food becomes less earthly and more spiritual, and our substance becomes less uh, of this world and more of his. So, again, the food, I think, was spiritual, and it ties into Exodus 20 and 24, 
if you go back to Exodus 20, I think it's verse 18, where it talks about they feared. But here in, they heard back in Exodus 20, but here in Exodus 24, they're seeing. What happened between 20 and 24 is that they received the Mishpatim and those, those rules, those commandments. Um, so God is trying to show us from the hearing to the seeing that we have to follow these commandments. There's a bridge available for us to get from the hearing to the seeing. And it's how we treat one another. It's, um, so it's, we have to climb this rung or each step to get closer to them. It's, we have to exert the effort commandment by commandment if we want to draw closer to them. So at least that's what I'm, I'm thinking about all this, going from the hearing Beautiful. to the seeing. So I wanted to add, guess what our New Testament portion was? Our New Testament portion this week was Matthew chapter 26. And I'm going to read to you what it says. We got and a few says, more comments, Mark. Okay, well, let me finish this. Okay. Matthew 26, 26 says, and as they were eating, Yahushua took the bread, having blessed it, he broke it, gave thanks to his topmans and said, take, eat, this is my body. Taking the cup, giving thanks, he said to them, drink, all of you, for this is my blood of the renewed covenant, which is shed for the, here's that word we talked about a week or two ago, forgiveness of sins. It's not forgiveness. The Greek word tells us and teaches this for the release of debt, the release of punishment. What we had was our debt was released. It was completely forgiven and, and, and let off. And then he says something interesting. But I say unto you, I shall certainly not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on. So he's having a fellowship meal now until the day that I drink it anew with you in the kingdom and the reign of my father. So that means there's going to be another communal meal with him at another renewing of the covenant. Because remember, everybody, every time this takes place, everybody's got to hear the word spoken again, just like they did at Mount Sinai, just like they did when they came across uh, the Jordan into the land. All of this is ratification. And so this meal is going to take place again with our master as a ratification, as a communal, and as a fellowship meal as, he's, as the kingdom that he establishes begins to take place. Let the comments go ahead. Well, Pastor Mark, you just took the words out of my mouth. This was a renewed covenant. Yes. And I think lots of times when we read the Brit Hadashar, we think, well, this is new stuff. This is just renewal of what was already in the, the Tanakh and the Torah and all of that. Amen. And the Amen. same thing you were saying about uh, to restore, the, there was a restoration that's going on with all of this peace offering. And we know that there's seven covenants, but there's also that eighth covenant that you just mentioned, which was a covenant of peace. Yes. And that's the covenant yeah. meal. So. And you know, it's interesting because the scripture tells us that Yeshua is our peace. And we cannot have shalom, peace, until we have the shalomim, which is restored. Once we're restored, now we start experiencing the wholeness and the completeness and the blessings that shalom and peace bring, but it comes through the restoration 
and the peace offering that the Messiah brings. Alex has a comment. I just thought of something. What if there wasn't just one death, burial, and resurrection of the word? There was two. Because if we think about Yeshua is the word of Yah, but the, the, the commandments also were the word of Yah, and Israel rejected them, killing the word, and they were broken. Three days later, Yah gave Moses a new group of a new set of ten commandments. So we, I, I thought of that. I don't know if that has, you know. That's awesome. Any other comments? I see no hands up, or did I? No, okay. no, no comments. Okay. So I'll pick up. Uh, who wants to read eleven through fifteen? Verse 11 through 15 says, And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also they saw Elohim and did eat and drink. Uh, and Yahweh said unto Moshe, Come up to me into the mount and be there. And I will give you um, sapphire stones and, the and a Torah and commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. And Moshe rose up and... His minister, Yeshua, and Moshe went up into the Mount of Elohim. And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, Aharon and uh, um, court uh, are with you. If any man has any matter to do, are um, let him come unto them. And Moshe went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mount. Oh, awesome. So a couple things on this that I see. So it says in verse 12, I'm going to give you the tablets of stone and the Torah and the commandments, which I've written. And it says in one ver version, to instruct and teach the people. Well, what's the purpose of God's tablets, his Torah, and the commandments. What's the purpose? It's to teach and instruct the children of Israel. I don't know about you, but I like being taught and instructed by the Most High because I want to go by what he says. I don't want to go by what man says. God is truth. Amen. And then in verse, um, I think it's 15. And Moses went up on the mountain, and cloud come and covered the mountain. Are we going to see a cloud again? Is a cloud going to come again? Do the prophets testify that when Yeshua comes back, is the cloud that was over them in the wilderness, is it coming back? Yes. We have a comment from Bob yes. here. Okay. Looking at uh, verse 24, 12. Um, you were mentioning something about the tablets. Says, then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets. In Hebrew, that's Lukot. And that word there is also used in Exodus 27, 8. You shall make it hollow with boards, Lukot, as it was shown you on the mountain, they shall make it. 
when you think of the tabernacle, which one of my most favorite subjects, and as you enter on the east side, actually the tabernacle is 100 cubits by 50 cubits. If you look at the brazen altar in the front and the Holy of Holies where the ark is positioned, if you would fold the tabernacle in half, the ark and the brazen altar align on each other. So we know that the ark, we know that the ark itself contains the two tablets, the Lukot, with the words, the ten words, the, uh, the commandments. But what I just wrote said here in twenty seven eight is speaking of the um, brazen altar. You shall make it hollow with boards. It is shown you on the mountain, so they shall make it. When you enter into the tabernacle, the first thing you come across is the brazen altar. And on that brazen altar, the sides are made of lukot, or the tablets. So you not only look at that altar, you really look at it saying, those are the commandments, but not only do I follow the commandments, I have to be willing to give myself up as a sacrifice. Before I can proceed to the, the laven, laver, first thing is the sacrifice and the commandments. And then you look back into where it talks about um, what's put on the side of the altar. It's the blood. He shall kill it. Leviticus 1.11. On the north side of the altar before the Lord and the priest, Aaron's son shall sprinkle his blood all around the altar. The blood of the sacrifice was put on the tablets or the coat of the altar. Yeshua, the living Torah, had his blood on the tablets by his sacrifice. So it all ties together. You've got the coat of the tablets with the word in the ark. It's on the, the brazen altar. You must, again, follow the commandments. See the blood of the work that has been done by Yeshua. Be willing to sacrifice yourself and follow him before you can proceed towards the inner court and the Holy of Holies. Amen. The interesting thing is, is everything had to be done exactly like it said. If one piece is missed when Yeshua dies, just like at Mount Sinai, then the adversary could come and tell God Almighty, say, look, your covenant wasn't ratified because you didn't put the blood on the people or the book. You didn't put the blood on the word uh, on the people. So it's really not ratified. You skip steps. So it's not legally in effect. No, God made sure everything was done exactly the way it had to be done so that everything is legal, sealed, delivered, no questions asked. It's a done deal because God's not messing around with the redemption of his people. Why? I'm going to bring one other piece to this in. You heard me say that the Shelamim offering, the, the peace offering, is also to pay a vow. Did God promise Abraham that he would bring his children into the land? So at Mount Sinai, he's paying a vow because he's about to take the people of, of Israel, Abraham's descendants, into the land because God promised Abraham with a vow that he would do it. He not only did that, but he promised that one day we would all live there together as the Messiah would come and reign forever. So in order to do that, since the northern kingdom got kicked out, the southern kingdom got dispersed, our Messiah had to come and restore everything to pay a vow back to the Almighty. Now, I, I'll look it up, but there's a passage in the Psalms that says that my vows were due and I paid my peace offering, my Shalomim offering. So in other words, in the Psalms, it's declaring, he's understanding 
that with my vow that I made, I've got to now bring this peace offering, this uh, this salvation offering in because I've made a vow. And it means that now my vow is completed. I've, I've fulfilled. What did Yeshua say? I didn't come to, to throw away the law. I came to fulfill. I came to complete it. I came to make it happen because I made a promise. I made a vow to my servant Abraham that I would do this and I am now paying my vow with my own blood. Comments. Rabbi, comment from Leona. Oh, Leona, then Paul. Um, I had a couple of thoughts that went through my head here. Uh, talked about a lot about, we've talked about the altar this afternoon. Altar of sacrifice, the peace offering, mm -hmm. and all of that. And the altar is the blood that's flowing through our heart. I remember probably 20 years ago, we had a lady in, at home in our group, and she made this wonderful revelation. She had this wonderful revelation about the blood sacrifice and how we are, do you not know that we are the altar, the spirit of the living God, she was mentioning. And she said, because of the fact that we have blood running through us, his representation is the blood of Messiah, and that goes through our heart. So I am offering every day an altar of sacrifice, an altar through my heart, my thoughts. And then we also mentioned here about the <clears throat> a great cloud uh, about a cloud, you mentioned about the cloud that we will be entering into and have with us. Well, the, there is the cloud, a great cloud of witnesses. The great cloud of witnesses is what we are now. And I believe that there's our ancestry hear us when we pray. And I'm, Amen. So another whatever. one of the words for, uh, by the way, it's good to hear Paul your has voice. a comment too. Uh, another one of the things about the Shalem, Shalem or Shalemim offering is it's also a, uh, the word is put in place for a praise offering. So it's also, as you just mentioned, uh, for our praise. So very interesting, very good connection. Hello. Okay. Yes, go ahead. Um, <laughs> Exodus 24, 12, you mentioned to instruct or to teach them. And in Hebrew, whenever a word is repeated twice, it's for emphasis. So the word teach, yarah, yarah, it has, yes, an implication of an arrow or aiming or pointing. But this is very interesting. The primitive root means to flow as water, that is almost like to rain. and in uh, Isaiah 45, I'm sorry, 55, it says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return it without watering the earth to make it bud and flourish so that it yields seed to, for the sower and bread to the eater. This is the good part that I love. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which it is sent. 
So now, and then it talks about the peace or the shalom that comes with his word in the next verse. It says, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And it goes on. So that teaching has the implication of being rained upon. And rain comes in different seasons. It doesn't flood. It doesn't because same way a flood can come and wash away all the plants and nothing grows, but it can sprinkle and it can come and it can do in frequency. So when you're talking about teaching, if you look at the pattern of what he's saying in Isaiah 55 and the rain causing something to grow, that gives us a really good instruction of how we should teach and how we should be taught allowing ourselves to be rained upon by Yahuwah and his word. Amen. Good word. Uh, I said it was in the Psalms. Uh, it's actually Proverbs 7.14. It says, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. Our, my, our master had to offer a sacrifice, and that day he paid his vow. Amen and amen. Any other comments? No hands up. Okay. okay. I'll read uh, the last three verses. And the glory of Yahuwah dwelt on the Mount Sinai. The cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the appearance of the glory of Yahuwah was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain before the eyes of all of the children of Israel. And Moses went up into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And it, and it came to be that Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. No water, no food. Any comments? Do you have a comment? Paul has a comment. Okay. All right. I'm going to go way crazy here, rabbinical crazy, midrash crazy. Okay. Yohevahe okay. exists outside of time. Yes. Was Moses outside of time when he was with Yohevahe, or was he within time? Because just hypothetically, that 40 days could have been like four hours to Moshe. But to the people, it may have seemed like 40 days. Just a thought there. You know, it's a good thought because when we fall asleep at night, it seems like we've been out for just a couple of minutes, even though it was four, six, eight, 10, 12 hours. And so, yes, it could have been when he entered into that presence, he entered into that cloud and fire. It could be that he stepped out of what we know as time and into his time. Everyone or the there 40 days is going by it could have been you know however much time it took for god to uh, tell him all that he needed to tell him because god's going to tell moses these are my people that i love i care about them i made a promise to their forefather that i would care for them and i'd bring them into the land and i'm going to teach them i'm going to show them how to live as kingdom citizens so that the blessings that i have can come upon them and so that's what he wants to give them. This is what a loving father is giving the children 
is something that's going to bless them, that's for their benefit and good. The world says that it's something that's to be abhorred, but that's not true. Because if Jesus is the word of God, what piece of him do we throw off? The hand, the finger, the toenail, the arm, the leg? It's all him, everything. And so it's all for our instruction on how to live and how to be holy people because our God is holy. Great word, um, Paul. Anyone else? I have one thing that I think is interesting, sort of going right back to the rain and the teachings that, that are here. Uh, I can't think of the prophet, but the prophet, one of the prophets takes the, the, what, the former rain and the latter rains, he compares them as the righteous teacher. And I think yes. that's interesting because that really goes flows with this whole idea with the cloud, with the rain, with the teaching and the direction. And ultimately, he's talking about the feasts themselves, which are abundantly clear part of that way of understanding righteousness by doing them. So one simple thing that we strive to try to do is uphold the feast so we can be taught by the righteous teacher. Amen. Good word. Anyone else? There are no hands up at this time. Would you all stand? Father, we thank you so much for the words of wisdom that you poured into our hearts because we were reading your righteous, wise words that you gave to us for instruction. And Father, we delighted in it. We enjoyed uh, the teaching and the learning today of all that you wanted to show us about your son who you sent became our peace offering. He became the restorer of relationship. He became the 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 repair of the breach. He became the one that brought salvation and brought us back into fellowship with the, the King of Kings so that we can have uh, all of the blessings that are, that are laid out in your word that are for the people that are kingdom citizens. Father, we thank you for the lessons. We thank you for the teaching so everything becomes more clear each and every week as we break the words down, as we connect the dots, you're showing us all of what took place, you're showing us what's coming and what it all means, what it's all about. Help us, Father. We want to be kingdom citizens walking in your way and not the way of man. So thank you, Father, for this word today. We give you praise and glory in your son, Yahushua's name. Amen. And now we get to say Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> Sign here. May you have a blessed rest of your Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom. Thanks, Brian, for all the help.